You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It, it, I have no choice over it in the first place. To me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. I am having major technical difficulties this morning. This is our first show of the year, and technical difficulties have shown up. I'm trying to get my special guest on, co-host on. Um, so y'all bear with me, uh, having some trouble in the studio. Hope y'all are able to get on with me. I guess there are some problems calling into the show, which is crazy because today is the day that y'all can call and co-host with us. Um, hold on one second. If anybody's out there listening, I hope y'all can hear me. Um, I can, again, this is had to happen in a long time. So it's super weird. Um, y'all bear with me as I try to get my host on. Um, give me a second. I may have to do it without my host. I'm not sure certain what's going on with Kay. Um all right, y'all. Somebody somebody need somebody to give me a heads up some way. Somebody else, Kay, if you're out there listening and you called in before call in, I just need to know that I'm being heard right now. I'm having trouble in the studio, not for certain that anybody's out there hearing me. I'm unable to get my co-host on right now as the show has already started, and we're having some difficulty calling into the show. I'm actually calling on my phone instead of my regular microphone. I hope it's not double-talking you guys, but I would definitely need to get some word if the show is working okay. Um, that's the difficulty when so, well, not social media, but technology does what it does. I've been up all night preparing for this show, and here we go with some technical difficulties. All right, let's see here. I hope you all can hear me out there. Somebody please call in and let me know you can hear me, or anybody that's a regular listener, text me and let me know you can hear me. I'm assuming we are live on the air. This is crazy, and, I, and without someone else to check me, 
on this show, I'm not for certain that I'm being heard right now, and I really hope that I am. Okay, so I'm just going to go forward as though we're being heard right now. Um, having to do this from my phone for some reason instead of my microphone, so I hope y'all can hear me just fine. All right. So I have a lot of cuts from the Best of Mental Dialogue 2022 that I want to play. Again, assuming that I'm being heard, I hope someone calls in because today is the day that people can call in and become co-hosts with me as they call in. I see a caller out there. Caller, please press one. Uh, I want to make sure I'm being heard. I'm assuming well, somebody's calling in. They definitely, that means I'm definitely being heard. All right, sounds good. Let's go ahead and get this caller in to help make sure we're on the air live. Area code 404-LAST-3426. Having some technical difficulties this morning, but glad for, for you to call me in and let me know. I think we're rocking okay. Yeah, we can uh, hear you pretty good. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, what's your name? Where you calling from? Do you want to get on? You want to get on here and co-host with me? Because this is the day that I'm letting callers call in and co-host. So you might just be calling in to let me know we good. So I don't. I don't want to make you stay on if you don't want to. But I definitely thank you for the call in. Uh, yeah, I would just uh, call to let you know. Um, okay, you know, sounds I, good. I, I appreciate that. I just listen. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Well, we're gonna rock out. I hope I can get my co-host on here pretty soon. Uh, if not, I'm gonna. Uh, keep this thing rocking, play these cuts, and hopefully get more callers calling in. Because, again, if you're listening closely, today is the day that you can call in and co-host with me. We will keep you on until the next caller knocks you off. So you will get much longer than normal to talk. This is also going to be a commercial-free day, again, as I um, I have some technical difficulties getting on my special guest co-host, Hillary Roberts. Hope we can figure out how to get her on. I'll probably try to get her on during one of these breaks. But I wanted to start a unique way instead of playing a cut from the best of 2022. Um, unfortunately, you know, we, the unfortunate situation that happened with Darmar Hamlin happened, and a lot of you probably heard what I'm about to play if you're on social media. But I know some of my intellectual outcasts out there listening don't do a lot of social media or don't watch a lot of TV. And so just in case you haven't heard uh, this perspective about what happened to DeMar Hamlin, I wanted to just let it be heard, kick off the show. We're not going to do a lot of discussion about it. I'm going to say a couple of words afterward, and then we're going to get into the best of 2022. So if you haven't heard, DeMar Hamlin is the unfortunate player that had cardiac arrest on the field uh, this week on the Buff. I think it was the Buffalo-Cincinnati game, if I think I'm correct about that. And this is um, – this brother on a sports podcast giving his thoughts. And, again, a lot of you may have heard this, but let me go ahead and play this, and then we'll get into the best of Mitchell Dialogue 2022. The league was never considering continuing the game. I, I don't I'm going to keep it real. We are we in left field. We in left field. I'm kind of hot right now, too. I'm kind of hot because we do this every freaking time something happened on this field. Everybody want to pivot and act like they – I done heard people talking about, oh, you know, just uh, the mental health of the players. and Yeah, you could die. They don't even know they could die out here. We sit here and talk about this stuff every single time. Schedule remakes, how we're going to make it up, what the league feels about it. I, I don't give a damn what the league feels about it. Let's be keep it real. Why we don't talk about the stuff that matters? This young man, you want to know, you know how, how what this, you need to know about him? 
He's 24 years old, right? He got a contract for $160,000. That's his bonus. And he earns $825,000 this year. You say, G. Bush, why are you talking about this man's money? Because guess what? He's been in the league two years. That means he's not vested. That means if he never plays another down in his life, he don't get another check for the NFL. Let's be clear about this. You've got to play three to four years before you even sniff a pension. So all this heartwarming and prayers and condolences don't do nothing for that boy's mom that, that got to go home, look at her son, and he might need extensive care for the rest of his life. And you know what the NFL will tell you? Well, you know, um, you know we'll, we'll look out for the people like him. No, you won't. No, you won't. Let, let's talk about the disability policy for the NFL, right? They moved it from $22,000 a month to 4000 in the last collective bargaining agreement. Did you know that the NFL has a private board that reviews all aspects with their doctors and with, and with their neurologists and their specialists? They can deny benefits even if Social Security deems you to be permanently disabled. The league can come back and they say, you know, the national go- the government is, a, you know, they're, they're experts. But let's take it over so we don't pay anything out. Only 15% get approved by Social Security. The league says that number should be lower. Get that. 15% of the people who apply for disability in this country, I know I was a, I was a disability expert. It's very low. I submitted over almost 250,000 applications in one year, one time. I know. Since the CTE settlement, only 6.5% of the settlement has been paid according to the admin's website. I looked it up yesterday. And 60% of the claims have a qualifying diagnosis but have not been paid. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. They're also moving the pension. And that pension, he got to make it to 55. He's 24. And they've moved that between 3,000. They moved it down to 3,000 when it was 5,600 a month. And the last stat that you should know about is the Bills owner, Terry Pagula, owns the Sabres as well as, as well as the Buffalo Bills, and his net worth is $6.7 billion. My question to you is, NFL, when, you, when, when do salaries become guaranteed? If you know these young men are going out there and they could die on that football field, I don't give a damn what your thoughts and prayers are. Do the right thing. I just heard a DD say it seven times. This is a savage sport. Men are dying every week, and you covered that up during CTE, and now you want to act like you're the top of the food chain because you got the CPR people on the field all the time? That's the least you should do. You're not gonna pay that man's. You, you, you're not gonna pay that man's tuition for his kids. You're not gonna give him no disability money. You're gonna do nothing. All you do is collect them big checks, and we go play fantasy footballs. And I hear these dudes' thoughts and prayers for a whole damn two hours. Y'all don't care about them kids. These young black kids is putting on the line, and you telling them what they put on the line ain't worth it because it, you know why. Because you don't want to pay for somebody that's broken and battered and can't take care of themselves because it costs you money. So it is all about money. And I heard nobody talking about no contracts. And he's sitting up here cashing these checks. We worship these owners. They do anything they want to. Anything. And as long as the product is good, we salute it. 
I'm pissed off today because ain't nobody talking about the real stuff. There's people out there, players are saying they just want to wait for us to die. I like the NFL just like the rest of y'all, but I'll be damned if I'm going to sit up there and pat Roger the devil in the back for running this organization the way he does. They run it like a criminal organization. Welcome back to the Best of Mental Dialogue 2022. As I said, I wanted to at least honor a different perspective for the DeMar Hamlin situation. I do have my special guest co-host, Hillary Roberts, on. So glad to have the queen on, if you will. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that cut, but for those who have not heard it, it was a perspective that I felt was necessary to be heard. And I wanted to highlight one aspect that I see floating around on social media, again, for my, in my opinion, just a way to respect you know, luckily that brother is seemingly recovering from the situation because it was a, a very critical condition when it first happened and we did not know if he would make it. I will tell you that the likely condition that he experienced is uh, that a lot of doctors said from, from watching the video, so we're still waiting for the exact cause of the cardiac arrest, um, but it was a condition uh, possibly called comatio cardis which unfortunately is, believe it or not, quite common in some contact sports, happens mostly with ages 8 to 18 young kids. It typically happens in with baseball, hockey, lacrosse. They may get hit in the chest with the ball or even in martial arts, this happens. So that's what doctors who saw the video thought when he got hit in the chest, that it was this condition that causes the heart to get off rhythm and typically is fatal. So um, like the brother that you just heard said, he ain't really trying to give a lot of credit to the NFL simply for having that. However, it is typically a fatal condition. And so gladly they did at least have that, but I do respect everything else that brother had to say about it. With that said, we're going to get started with this morning's Did You Hear? The Best of Mental Dialogue 2022. Thank you, Hillary, for getting on with me, Queen, if you will. Say hello to the intellectual outcast out there. Glad to have you on. Um, give a little background if you want to, then we're going to get right into a, one of our best shows. Go ahead, Queen. Thank you for getting on with me. Sorry about the technical difficulties this morning. Go ahead. That's okay. Good morning, Montoya. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm happy to be back. Thank you for having me. Um, so I'm ready to get right into it. All right, let's do it. So as I already kind of prepared you for, you're going to hear these cuts. It's going to be your first time hearing them because you are one of our, in a sense, re-engaged Queens of Intellect members who comes and holds me down on this show. So when you hear these cuts, I'm going to let you lead off and just say, hey, what did you take out of it? What, you know, what did you want to say? If anybody out there listening, if y'all want to give us your three cents, the number to get in this morning, 646-787-1691. And you are allowed to come on and actually co-host with us for today's special edition, Best of... 2022 Mental Dialogue. All right, so this first show cut comes from a show we actually had recently, which is um, Is What Happened to Kanye West Systemic Racism? So here we go. One of them are attacking a man for telling the truth. They've never in history went after nobody that hard. How you take a man's bank account down? How you do that? You don't do that. That's unheard of. And for black folks to be in their feelings 
and don't see the big picture here, let's take Kanye out of the picture. Put it another face there. If they did that to anybody else, it would be a public outrage. But, but we and our feeling good. We don't like the individual, the particular individual. We still mad about something, him saying slavery was a choice. Of course, we have the right to have assholes, too, in our community, too. But that don't mean right. we throw the baby out with the bathwater. So we got to really see the big picture because you think what they're doing to him now, watch what they do to the next one of y'all who think and have the audacity of speaking up on your, for your own selves and for your own people. Watch how they do you. It's going to be so easy hey, to Kevin. run y'all over as a race. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Nah, thank you, bro. I got callers. I won't get to keep you on like I normally do. Um, I'm okay. going to say a couple thoughts to what you said and go to the callers. So say no one to say what he said isn't true. I'll be one to say that it's not true uh, because at the end of the day, kind of to what Shelly alluded to, he understands that in his stream of consciousness exactly who he was directing it to. Even the agent said, hey, he didn't talk about anyone in particular. So what happens is when you broad brush, you're going to be wrong. You're going to be wrong broad brush, and it's not every last one of them that know. There's plenty of people that have been raised in that culture that have no clue what he's talking about. And I'm only pointing out because once you start broad brushing, you're going to be wrong. That's just one thing I'll point out to you. Um, and the example of somebody else being lynched this way, Mel Gibson, been in a movie again, never directed the movie again. So there are examples kind of similar to what Shelley was to. We see it in the context of it happened only to Kanye, but at the end of the day, like Emil pointed out, that group, it doesn't matter who says anything against them, they will destroy them pretty much at all costs, like I said, outside of the banking, which is a whole nother level. Let's go to another caller. Area code six seven eight last three zero nine seven. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and you're through this morning's discussion. Hello, yeah, my name is Cloud from Atlanta. Hello? Go on, Clive. What you got for me? Yeah, you live, right. Go ahead. You good. All right, PG. Yeah, so like uh, the brother said before, there was nobody that had um, disputed what he was saying was true or not, right? And as the lady said, it was between his – or the man said it between his business partners and him. Now, many interviews have been on where – we that Jewish people control the music industry, media industry, things like that. That's what he was saying, right? Now, people want to take his money and say, hey, he's a billionaire. But one thing they've done to us, many black people in America have money, but we don't have any power. We don't control any of these industries. And what this showed was she said that we didn't care as much. We do care as much, I believe. We just don't have the power to enforce that care. We don't have the power to snatch up. We don't have a J.P. Morgan. We can't snatch anybody's money out of a bank. We can't take anybody off the air. We can't cancel an Adidas contract. So I don't believe that it's not that we don't care as much. It's just and, – and it's, it would take a multitude of people. We would all have to collectively get together and say, hey, we're going to stop buying something for it to happen. But they have it where one or – this in, in concert, if we took all these companies, 20 people made a decision. Not a, not a million people, not 100 million people, 20 people made a decision. You know, if we say in these boardrooms made a decision, no, he's got to go. We're, that's over with. And that's the problem that, 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 that it is, is that they can make a decision. So when he said there's no systemic racism, there is a per, uh, people who, who feel like who are, in my opinion, there are leaders 
of the Jewish community. They feel that they have the vanguard. They have to protect the community. As you talked about the Anti-Defamation League and everything, these people have taken upon themselves to defend Jewish culture. The average Jew, yes, they may not know anything. They may not be involved with this. It's not a, hey, the average guy you see on the street. But there is shown a concerted effort. As soon as he said these things, we were wiped out. He was wiped out, and he was taken out. We cannot, we do not, who, what black men in America have that power to take out anybody if they say something against black people? And that's the problem. So that's my thoughts. That's my, well, uh, he said my three cents. But y'all have a good day. Did you hear the best of Mr. Dialogue 2022? Again, that is a cut from Is What Happened to Kanye, Systemic Racism. Our special guest co-host is Hillary Roberts. I see a caller out there. If you want to jump on and co-host this show with us, you do need to press one to let us know you want to co-host with us. But Hillary, if you will, First time, I don't know, you may have heard that show earlier this year, but either way, uh, your thoughts on that particular cut, anything that stood out to you? Um, I hadn't heard that show before. I mean, I saw you advertise, but I didn't get a chance to listen to it. Um, but, I mean, I guess I would have to agree more with the second caller's perspective and your perspective, um, you know, that was shown on the show because, I mean, Kanye, I don't think, I personally don't think what happened to him was systemic racism, but what happened to him happened because he was black. Um, I mean, who, you never heard of somebody losing like billions of dollars in a day or a week or anything like that before. And it was because, you know, they chose to go after him because of the reckless things he was saying. He, he set himself up for the failure. So, you know, Kanye, but even given all that, he's not somebody I would stick my neck out for because he doesn't have any credibility. He doesn't care about black people. Um, like he said, George Bush didn't, which was true. And it's true of him now. So, I mean, I'm not sticking my neck out on the line. And even now, like he's even gone even further with the things he's saying that aren't going to help him at all. And it's not for our benefit is because he's trying to kiss up to these white supremacists. So they should be the ones that are defending him. Um, because he still hasn't learned that they took away all his billions of dollars because he was black and talking reckless. And he doesn't seem to appreciate that. So it seems like he has to lose a few billion more. Maybe he'll understand. And even then, I still wouldn't stick my neck out for somebody like him that is right, you know, twice a day like a broke clock. All right. Respect you, Queen. Thank you for the thoughts. We got a caller to jump it in with us. Area code 404. Last three, eight, four, four. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's Best of Mental Dialogue 2022 as we're going to be playing cuts from all of last year. Thank you for coming on with us. Mr. Black Socrates, this is Dennis Sipping Share Wine, Sip South. How's it going, brother? Hey, how you doing, King? You're going to rock with us for as long as you want, man, unless somebody else knocks you off. If you have time, again, this is our special edition Best of Mental Dialogue 22, so you can stay on with us, just making sure you understand that. Um, your thoughts on what you've heard so far, King? Man, I appreciate the time. Um, I understand y'all on this Kanye situation, and that's like a whole different bag in its own. Um, to me, Kanye just lost his guidance, you know, when his mama died. It seems like he turned into a whole different person. So the path that he's on, I mean, he's being a little reckless, but sometimes when I actually listen to some of the things he's saying, I mean, he's kind of sliding in some knowledge in there, but the way he's doing it is just, it's kind of like a way that he's trying to do it the best he can and he's getting attacked and he just don't know what he's doing. It's almost like a computer when it starts just glitching. He needs some help. 
but some of his information may not be that crazy. That's just my point. Now that's fair enough. I'll throw out this, and we'll go to another cut. We're going to keep this thing moving. We got Dennis uh, from Sip and Share Wines rocking with us. He's going to be bringing us some wine for our exclusive mental dialogue, Keep Black Tonight, our house party. So for those in Atlanta and members, y'all, we're going to have a good time tonight just throwing it out. So thank you for getting on with us this morning, King. Um, I'll throw out this one thing. I don't think that the information is as, as succinct as we think. I will ask, tell people we talked about it on that show do some digging into that history and you'll have what I would say a better understanding of where he's missing the boat and there's assumptions quite often that we make and really don't understand, in a sense, that Jewish culture who, who in a sense, started and built Hollywood. So that part is true. But if you know the reasons why they started it was because of propaganda that started World War II, basically, uh, and really before that, if you will, but they wanted to guard against the propaganda against their own culture. They really don't care what any of us do with our culture. And sometimes I think our expectations are a little crazy. I'm just throwing that out. But at the end of the day, he misses the boat because he doesn't understand the history in particular. And I would tell people to dig in. But we're going to go to another cut and change the subject. Considering we go two hours deep, we are a deep thinking show. But today we are jumping around to our best shows. This next cut comes from Do Wives See Sex as a Chore? Best of Mental Dialogue 2022. We're going to come out of this cut and let Hillary go on commercial free today. Just throwing it out for my sponsors. I'll get y'all an extra week on the sponsorship. But with that said, we're going to have this cut, and then we're going to let Hillary, as the queen of the show, come out of the cut with her thoughts first. We'll be right back. Keep tuning in. If you want to knock Dennis off and become a co-host, call in, and we'll knock him off. But then otherwise, he's rocking with us. We'll be right back. Yes, sir. Hey, what's up, King? What you got for All us right, this morning? Frank. Yes, uh, very good topic. Um, I've been doing a lot of um, studying about this, and uh, as an African, I was born in Ghana, and um, I've been talking a, a lot about this particular topic. Um, you know, culturally, our girls in Africa are raised to think that sex is a bad thing, you know, in the beginning, just to prevent promiscuous lifestyle. So... Um, I've heard young girls say that it means some of the women scare their girls to tell them it's a thing to have sex. So trying to control that appetite from a young at the beginning, when they grow up and, and marry, uh, that freedom, that, you know, freedom to be able to relax, to have sex, is still a thing in the African community. Where mm. most African men, I would say most African men, that are married to African women are still having affair outside with other cultures that expresses their sexuality more. So it's a problem, mm. right? Well, after mm. becoming an adult, I'm in my 40s, and now as sex is such an important thing to me, when I meet somebody that I'm interested in, I bring this topic up. I've actually dated somebody for nine months without having sex because I wanted to know where her head is when it comes to sex. Sex is very important to me. The whole, one of the, uh, the videos that you posted, the young lady said that, uh, oh, I have to come and make sure that I, I meet my husband's needs. No. Sex in our relationship is not my need. If it's not your need also, I don't want to have sex with you. So at this point, I've been very selective about who I have sex with because making this whole system that you do me a favor is a no-no. Mm. And I realized that I have actually not had sex with a lot of women that I'm interested in because 
of how they look at it. You know, mm. so this is a very important topic. And to me, like I said, different cultures have different ways of looking at it and how they are raising their girls. But if I can speak from the African community, the African girls think sex is a sin. And even when they get married, they can really, like, relax and really do it with their husbands. They still feel like it's something that they are doing for the husband and not for them. But at this point, if you don't want to have sex, if you don't feel like it, I don't want to have sex with you. So it's, it's a problem. I don't know if I have the solution, but I'm just trying to identify something in my community that, yes, sex is a burden. Sex is like, you know, um, something that you're doing for the husband and not for themselves. Uh, but I'll see some of more of my comments for later. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, we'll get you back in. So come come off the one, and then you can come back on the one if you want to jump back in. So we'll let you go. Sure, sure, the one, sure, sure. And then you can yeah. come back in. Uh, Frank brings an interesting topic. You know, we, we specialize in doing hard conversations on race, sex, and culture. And what Frank brings is something that we've talked about. Just even in general, there's even a concept, especially in the past. I think um, the, Frank is highlighting how much is said in the African culture even to this day. But there's definitely, I would say, older women in American culture that have went through that very same thought process because of what they were told about sex, that it plays a huge role in how they see sex in their marriage. So that's come up on the on the show before. Uh, but Marilyn, again, um, as our queen, let you kind of jump in and give us your thoughts. You know, you're a cognitive behavior therapist to highlight that for anybody tuning in. So I'm pretty sure you have some deep perspectives about even that mindset, no matter where you're from, not just even in the African culture, if you're still being told sex is a bad thing, sometimes you can't process that. And so maybe sex in the marriage, to allude to something that Frank said, is bad to the point where, you know, as he mentioned in his culture, maybe there are a lot of affairs outside. But that's something that I heard even in American culture, but maybe more in the past than now. But your thoughts, Queen? Um, I think he makes an excellent point. Um, Also, me being you know, Nigerian myself, and raised within, you know, that same culture and that mindset, um, it's, it's true in a lot of ways. There are, uh, and even today, there are plenty of young women uh, being raised um, either with, with a negative mentality towards sex um, about it not really being for them as much as it is for their husbands. And, uh, and, and as Frank mentioned, um, a, a lot of places, you know, within the African community. Um, it's, it's not, you know, a, a blanket statement, of course, but there are a lot of places within the African community where it is um, taught as being, you know, something that is bad to do. And even if it's hard to turn off that mindset, it's hard to turn off, you know, um, that feeling once you get into the marriage um, that it's something bad, it's something dirty, you know. It's hard to, to avoid it for all of those reasons. Um, all of your life, and then finally get married and now believe that it's something that you should be doing. So I do see that to an extent. And there are also women who have levels of trauma around sex before marriage. And so once they're married, you know, all of the things that they did to protect themselves before they're married, they are still have those, those guards up, and it's hard for them to really let it down. And that's a lot of work that has to be done because, not only is there that mindset that exists within our community, also a lot of trauma exists within our community, sadly. You know, a huge number of women, particularly in our community, are victims of some kind of, you know, sexual assault or um, uh, just various um, types of 
sexual abuse and sexual assault early in life, a huge number. It's really, um, I, I forget the specifics. I can get that for you later, but I can't pull it up. But a, a huge number of women in our community are sexually abused, sexually assaulted um, early in life, and they take a lot of that trauma into their relationships. A lot of times the promiscuity that you even see prior to marriage are responses to that trauma of mm-hmm. sexual um, abuse and assault. So it's hard to kind of turn that off once you are married and be able to feel like you're now in a safe and loving space to be able to express yourself um, sexually um, 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 in a healthy way with your husband. So I definitely agree with that point. Welcome back to the Best of Mental Dialogue 2022, another cut from Do Wives See Sex as a Chore? As you hear, cognitive behavior therapist and caller Frank Sunday calling in and giving amazing thoughts on that show. Um, again, we'll start with you, Hillary. We have um, special guest caller and Dennis on the line, so we'll get her thought. And we got another caller that may want to <laughs> knock him off. Well, go ahead, Hillary. Your thoughts to hearing that cut? Uh, well, that, that was actually the first time you know I've heard um, an opinion like that or. Uh, a perspective like that, um, you know, from a foreign, you know, foreign culture. Um, so uh, that was pretty interesting. Um, but overall, I think it, women may seem or they may see it as a chore. It depends on, I think, where you are, you know, in your marriage and what other responsibilities you might have. But if you're getting to the point where sex is a chore or you are, the husband is thinking it's, something you're supposed to do, i.e. a chore, you know, then it's, you know, not going to be very pleasant. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah, I thought both of those points were very poignant. Uh, what you got for me, Dennis? I got some of the other callers. If y'all are trying to be co-hosts, you do have to press one. If you're just listening, no problem. I'm going to um, let Dennis get his thoughts on this one. Any thoughts on that on that cut, brother? But thanks again for helping co-hosts. Um, that was the first time also I heard that uh, snippet as well. And, I mean, that's a powerful message, especially from somebody who hasn't been married. So I can only just take that as a, a way to move forward and have an understanding that people do have trauma. And without a communication and understanding, like, where the person's coming from, um, it could be a chore. And hopefully when I get married, it'll be something that is enjoyable and we can have this mental dialogue between each other. So I kind of understand Absolutely. some of the pain that's been there and a lot of times in our society, people act, and if they don't know the pain, they would act different if they did know. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Yeah, we again, we've had that come up on the show before, and I would just even ask you to even one step further is if for some if somehow, because sometimes it doesn't come up even when you're getting to know someone, even when it doesn't come out to after marriage, which is the idea of if there has been trauma, sometimes that person trauma sometimes is not easily remembered and they might not even know how it's affecting them sexually or what they will or will not do. And so it can be a very delicate thing. And sometimes you can have an issue with your significant other that real, that if you realize was their trauma, you could, you could, you could navigate it a different way. So information and lessons that until I heard it on my show, not this particular show, but again, cause we've talked about that specific thing before that opened my mind up to things I would need to consider like yourself, hoping to get married one day that I would have not thought about had we not had that conversation. So thank you for that. Area code 301, if you're trying to get in, you do have to press one. Other than that, we're going to keep Dennis on. He may just be listening. We're going to go to another cut from the best of Mental Dialogue 2022. All right, Dennis, they're knocking you off, so we'll 
Well, uh, thanks for coming in, King. We'll see you later um, um, later at the um, party tonight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Sounds good, brother. You can keep listening via the phone. I'm just bringing on a new co-host. All right. Let's go into our next cut, which is from Should Children Be Raised in Male-Centered Homes? We'll be right back, and we'll get the next co-host on with the Best of Mental Dialogue 2022. Center the children by creating a healthy environment with the leadership in the home between the parents. I think this I think this topic grates on people, particularly women, because it's saying male centered. Um, I look at this as centering the marriage um, versus just the male because when you're centering your marriage, it means you as and and, and let me back up a little bit. When I work with, you know, my clients, which, again, are primarily um, mothers, and then it kind of trickles out to the families, um, one of the first and most important pieces of advice that I give them about being able to be the best mother that they can be is, just to put it plainly, is to be a wife or at least in a solid partnership wherein they have someone that is there supporting focusing, centering them and their needs. Because as mothers, we tend to, you know, that tends to be our, our, our default is to give and do everything for our children um, and even for our spouses or our partners. We're very, it's our nature to be nurturing. And a lot of times that can just drain us so intensely to the point where we just don't, um, we don't have enough. We're not replenished enough, especially in the society that we live in today as black women. You know, we don't have all these resources out here that are, that are replenishing us down to a spiritual level to be able to continue to give and raise our families. So I believe it's so important to be in a strong union where you are being centered by your partner. Your needs are being met. You're being taken care of. You're being protected. You're being, you know, provided for in so many ways because it replenishes you to the extent where you can actually have something that overflows to give to your children. Welcome back. Did you hear the best of Mental Dialogue 2022? I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Our special guest co-host is Hillary Roberts. Queen, if you will, we're going to let you get dig right into that and get our next co-host on with us as well. If you're out there listening, 646-787-1691. Press 1 to become our next special guest co-host. But go ahead, Hillary. Any thoughts? You are a, in a sense, I would even say recent mother who's experienced specifically that cut. I'm very interested in your thoughts and hearing, again, that is Marilyn O'Dwee a cognitive behavior therapist on the sh- on another show. So two of her shows made the top seven. But if you will, Queen, your thoughts on that cut? Uh, yeah, a more interesting perspective. I um, agree that if you, you know, your marriage should be a priority because you do have to have a partnership. But I feel like what a lot of women, um, especially when they have children in their marriage, is, like she said, you're not being replenished. But it's not like the expectation of the wife and mother is that she can slack off in any area. And if she is slacking off in any area, it's seen more as um, something deficient with her mothering skills or her ability to be a good wife versus how can I support you? Because any individual can't do it all. 
Also, the woman probably has other expectations, like from parents or, you know, other stresses in her life. And I don't think that a lot of attention is given to the female partner in a relationship as far as her needs that are separate from, you know, the children or, like, outside, just her own individual needs. Like, she still has them. Like, she had them before she had a husband and kids. She still, you know, she still wants to be, you know, her own individual person because, I mean, I've experienced and I've seen like other of my friends and relatives, female relatives and friends experience that you kind of lose yourself. You know, you get wrapped up in like your husband, you know, what he has going on or your kids. And then you start losing yourself, which is like another source of, um, you know, stress and tension and then causes you to, you know, further, you know, maybe further start failing in some other areas. And I think, I I don't know, I felt like she was to the show because it said, you know, a male-centered home. But I certainly would agree, like, there has to be a partnership. It's not all one person's responsibility. When it starts being all one person's responsibility to make sure everything is running smoothly, you know, you're going to have a bumpy road ahead. No, absolutely. Yeah, and and I'm just looking for you to respond specifically to the cut, but to give the context of the entire show, it was a dialogue about, um, in a sense, how you're raising the kids from the different perspectives because you know we're in the the, the uh, world now where it's kind of like um, specifically let's, let's talk about our community specifically our community where we have a lot of if you will women led homes by the default if you will will right and when you come from that sometimes getting into a partnership even with a man or whatever can be quite difficult but as she highlighted the bet. I thought she pointed out, and which is why I took that cut, the best way to pull it off in general, which is even us as men being very aware, kind of like you just alluded to, of understanding, hey, pouring into my partner will get me my best version, of not only of my wife, but a mother to my child. And a lot of times with a lot of things that we've learned historically, a lot of that can be lost. So I really appreciated what Marilyn had to say. Let's see what our new special guest co-host has to say area code three zero one last three six nine seven. Give us your name, where you call it from, and your three cents. And you are the new co-host of the best of Mental Dialogue. Thank you for being with us. Okay, that's interesting timing. This is actually Marilyn Odwingi. <laughs> I was hoping it was you, but I've seen this number before. I've seen this number before. You're not gonna believe this. Last year we do this show once a year. Every caller really literally came after their cut. And there's no way for me to know because I just see numbers. But this is perfect. Go ahead, Queen. I don't know if you heard, you were on the last two cuts. But go ahead and jump in there, Queen, wherever you fit in at. Oh, wow, yeah. So I just got on. Um, that's awesome. And I definitely agree with what you both have um, expanded on that last cut is that definitely um, I really don't know if I can say much more about that, that it is um, imperative that, you know, you have that partnership where, you know, the mother who is so, the mother and wife, I should say, who is so central to, you know, how the core of the family that she's being supported and replenished and that, you know, the partner is very aware and in tune with what her needs are so that she can, you know, continue to, to operate, you know, without, uh, without lacking, um, which is a huge thing. You know, there's so much depletion that goes on, excuse me, 
Um, there's so much depletion that goes on, you know, amongst mothers, you know, and um, women in general, you know, as we raise our families. And, you know, without that support system that pours into us and, you know, it, right from birth, honestly, a lot of times, you know, mothers um, experience the, uh, one of the big uh, triggers for postpartum depression um, and anxiety and so many other things that happen is due to the fact that mothers are deeply, deeply um, depleted um, just from, you know, sleep. They're depleted from, you know, just being fed properly because, you know, you're kind of like just grabbing whatever you have, you know. So it's like if you have someone who's there to make sure that you're getting the things that you need, um, you know, just uh, on every level makes it so much easier for you to recover from birth. Um, and a lot of times women just ever, from the time that they give birth to their first child, they never fully recover from what they lose, you know, during the pregnancy and during, you know, the early postpartum period. And so we end up living the rest of our lives in this constant state of depletion. Yeah, that's major. And speaking of postpartum, yeah. you, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Hillary. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Queen. Uh, yeah, I agree 100% with that. I mean, I felt that. Like, I... Where I, sometimes I'm like, I sound like my mother. I sound just like my mother. <laughs> you know, like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm stressed out. And hearing that, yeah. like, when I was a kid, it's like, you know, like, I couldn't fathom. Like, why are you so tired all the mm-hmm. time? Like, why, you know, why do you feel so mm-hmm. stressed out? Or why are you complaining about being stressed out? And no, it's like, you know, you have, then you have to kind of have, like, you know, start yelling or something to get the attention. Like, it's not. You feel like Mm -hmm. you see me that I'm exhausted, (laughs) you know, but it's like, you know, you gotta keep going, you know, you're gonna keep going, but yeah, Mm -hmm. you never feel like how you felt before. Like, I've never slept as well as I slept before I had my daughter. Like, I I don't sleep Mm -hmm. that much. I eat her leftovers a lot of the time, you know, the things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But it's like, she has to have dinner. So she's gonna get, you know, the dinner. I'll just eat the leftovers (laughs) because I'm tired and I don't feel like eating a whole plate of food or fixing it or doing anything like that. So I mm-hmm. feel like what you were saying that it's a partnership. Yes, these roles might be, you know, or my mom did this or, you know, because, you know, my mom certainly mm-hmm. did, you know, a lot of things for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, how does she even, just the energy to figure out what to make for dinner every day? Like, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of energy. It seems like something small, but it's all mm-hmm. those little small things that add up. And it's, you know, it's like uh exponential you know it's like it's just little things but keep adding up keep using all your brain power but when it's when you feel supported like when your partner's like you know i'll do the dishes or you know i'll take the clothes out of the laundry it's like oh my god Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know thank god i don't have to do that (laughs) yeah i don't have to think about it absolutely I, I um I share and, and, and talk about this extensively is that um one thing that a lot of people don't know is that um during pregnancy itself women lose, you know, about five percent of um of their, their brain size, you know. Um, just because of, you know, all of what, you know, pregnancy requires. And a lot of that is in the centers that run our memory and executive functioning. So when you talk about mom brain and fog and everything else, that Mm -hmm. is real. And then having to function through that without a strong support system and without, you know, the right nutrients and everything else. And it's so hard to be able to continue to function at that high level. But guess what? A lot of times we don't have any other options. You know, we don't have the support system that we need. And so, 
you know, women just keep, mothers, I should say in particular, just keep moving in that depleted state. And that's why it just tends to be, you know, a cumulative thing that just builds and, you know, until your children are grown. And, and by that time, you know, black women in particular tend to be the ones who have the most um, autoimmune diseases um, and all types of other, you know, lifestyle diseases um, that come along with it. And we wonder why we're so um, vulnerable to those things just because we tend to live in that constant state of depletion and stress. Now, it's very important for anybody out there listening. Again, this is the best of Mental Dialogue 2022, but I would highly recommend the other show. Again, I, I reach out to experts like Marilyn. Again, she's a cognitive behavioral therapist as well as the founder of, um, what is it, Black, Black Peaceful Mama? Or Peace, let me say, say it correctly. I want to make sure I say it right. A Peaceful Black Mama. Peaceful Black Mama. I got it backwards. So I wanted to let you know she is a, definitely a resource, Hillary. So, again, I think you're, what, two years in on the on the mother thing, if I remember correctly. And so uh, definitely make sure you follow Marilyn because she is constantly trying to help guide mothers, you know, mothers along to be able to, in a sense, not be depleted, as we mentioned. But I also wanted to highlight she was on our postpartum show that we actually had as well. So if you're not familiar with us, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the streaming platforms. You can look up Mental Dialogue and scroll through the shows, and you can see the one about postpartum um, for mothers, which is a big learning curve for a lot of – like we had um, husbands and fathers on there as well. So it's a learning curve for us to even be aware of what our sisters and mothers – black mothers are going through because as men, you know, again, we experience a little something, but nothing to the degree where you, you, as Hillary just mentioned, you know, it's a, it's a task to figure out what she want to cook every day. So I definitely can understand. Um, well, I maybe shouldn't say actually, I could understand, but I could at least listen and empathize. How about that? That's probably the best way of me saying it. You know, as a man who's, who's still a single and is still single and still throw stuff in the microwave real quick and keep it moving. <laughs> I can cook a little bit, but I like to cook for brownie points. I don't cook for myself. I like, I'm trying to show off when I'm cooking. <laughs> but anyway, with that said, we're going to go right into another, another cut. Marilyn, let me know if you have to go, but in the meantime, you're going to be our co-host until somebody knocks you off. So anybody else wants to get in and join us and be our special guest co-host, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646 646- Seven eight seven one six nine one. You do have to press one to let us know that you want to be the co-host. We are commercial free today as we're doing the best of mental dialogue twenty twenty two. We'll be right back. Uh, for if you're a first time listener, we are not a politically politically correct show, so you're gonna hear some foul language. Just giving you a fair warning uh, for this next cut. We'll be right back, and we'll break down. All of us will break down what we hear in this cut. This is Patrice. O'Neill, as well as a commentator giving a few thoughts in addition to his stand-up. Okay, ladies, if you didn't have a vagina, like say it was a terrible train accident, right, and the doctor was like, we have to remove your pussy right away or you're going to die. How would you keep your man past, you get a two-month, Guilty, I can't leave the bitch right away because she just lost a pussy in the train accident. <laughs> can't just walk right out on her. How would you keep your man past that if you didn't have a vagina? 
Suck his dick. Okay, mouth. Asshole. Okay, great. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, I've been getting pussy beaten the whole show, right? But I give women the opportunity to say, I'm going to make myself worth more. But you just classified yourself as a series of holes. But Wow. Wow, guys. That's crazy, man. Patrice O'Neal, man, he was truly a visionary. He literally put these women in his trap and they fell for it. They fell for it. You see, fellas, if we let women talk long enough, they're eventually going to expose themselves. Just let them keep talking. Just let, just, just listen. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Oshun Ojo. Our special guests are Frank Rivers, Views from the Man Cave, as well as Mark Anthony Black Men and Cigars podcast. This morning's discussion question, what do women bring to the table? As we hear, I don't know that commentator's name, but someone who hashtagged himself as Red, I guess Red Pill, talking about Patrice O'Neill's joke. Um, you know, you know, R.I.P., rest in peace, Patrice O'Neill. Um, but we're talking about a joke, and this guy says, hey, this is putting women in their place. He's a visionary. It's just a damn joke. I can laugh at the joke in the context that it was used in. It's funny in the moment if we keep it just as a joke. But to, in my opinion, to surmise uh, some type of reality for how it applies to us as black men and black women is when it starts to get ridiculous. And this is the context that I hear this question used in the most. Uh, Frank is our special guest. I'm going to start with you, King. Uh, any thoughts as, as you hear it? Because, again, I can separate the joke from the context that the commentary is trying to – the comment, commentator is trying to put it in, if you will. Go ahead, King. Absolutely. So um, I can separate it. You know, uh, Patrice O'Neill is, is a legend. You know, he's one of my favorite comedians. Rest in peace to him. Um, he was definitely ahead of his time. Um, but I can separate – you know, the comedy from, you know, from real life experiences. And so for, for, for the Red Pill brothers out there and, and the MGTOW brothers out there, some of them who may be listening, um, I, I don't really put a lot of stock in what they say um, as it relates to women, specifically black women, because if they found this woman who met all of their needs, if she checked every box, a lot of these guys still wouldn't marry that woman. They still wouldn't, you know, uh, be in a healthy, committed relationship where they pro- provide and protect and do everything that they think a man is supposed to do, they still wouldn't do it. So it's always this proverbial carrot that they dangle in front of women. If you just do this, if you just act more like that, then y'all wouldn't have these problems. But but there are women out here who don't do that, who don't act like that, who don't show those um, those traits and characteristics, and they still won't really line up with them either. So I don't really put a lot of credence in what those brothers say, even though they do have a right to say it. But I can separate what Patrice was trying to say in a joking way from what from where this brother was trying to take his commentary and the point that he was trying to make. Yeah, the biggest thing I have, and Oshina, I'll go to you next. The biggest thing I have is the in a sense, there's if we're honest about what's happening culturally, and I always say this, what's happening on social media is blown up and it's not actually what's happening out here in the culture, if you will. Actually, however, what happens on social media seeps into the culture and is growing. And so social media will have you think that 
things are worse than they actually are. However, we have to be honest about, again, that this type of stuff is growing. And so uh, the biggest thing, like you like you said, Frank, to a degree, even if a woman lined up, more than likely they're still going to take a position of not doing the things they need to do. And the, and the reason I'm even highlighting that is because this rhetoric can – you can men can easily attach to because there's a, a, almost a comfort in downing all the so-called so so-called problems with black women and they're not recognizing it's their own shortcomings that makes this type of stuff resonate who can take a, a patrice o'neill thought out if you understand the genre of comedy like it's not even offensive when you understand what the what the com- comedian is doing, but if you can devise this and now make a, a a thought and say, hey, look at how you know how these black women are because of something that a, a comedian thought out, you're missing that that's your own shortcomings, in my opinion. Go ahead, Oshun, and I, I want to hear Mark's thoughts as well. Yeah, um, Patrice Lumumba, Malcolm O'Neill, a comedic genius. Rest in peace to him. Um, I agree with what you said. Holy, I have two words, um, intellectual dishonesty. Um, The comedian intentionally asked a question in a way that would elicit a certain response, right? And we all know that. He asked about a sexual organ, and so women responded with how they could fulfill a sexual need in the event they no longer had that sexual organ. It was expected. Um, If he had asked, hey, ladies, what else can you bring to a man? How else do you benefit a man other than Mm -hmm. sex? Then the responses would have been much different. and so I agree that um, the clip was hilarious. It's one of my favorite comedians of all time. Um, but it is an example of, like, what you said, how people um, take things um, and uh, decontextualize them in order to fit their own narrative um, and then use that, you know, kind of uh, use it as ammunition as something on a whole. I think that the person, whoever that person was, is not um, stupid. They knew exactly what they were doing. Welcome back to Did You Hear the Best of Mental Dialogue 2022? Special guest co-host Hillary Roberts. Hillary, I'm going to let you get started as we have Marilyn on with us as well as our co-host. But if you will, Hillary, um, your thoughts to hearing that cut from another one of our top seven shows, What Do Women, um, yeah, what do women Bring to the Table with the title of that show. But what do you think about that particular cut? Uh, I thought both callers had good uh points that I agree with um those um like actually I think the the Patrice uh clip really shows that how easy it is for women to follow men because he set the context with the sexual context so they didn't think outside the box like oh if I don't have a vagina then that means I have mm-hmm. to come up with something else sexual instead of anything outside of that so they were, uh, you know, we hear a lot that, you know, when, especially because we've all been in, or not all, but like, you know, we have a lot of uh, women-headed households and all the problems of that, and that, it, you know, women don't want to submit to men or be led or anything like that. But I think the clip there shows women will, you know, if you put anything in a context, you know, a lot of them will just follow of man that you will follow. So the second person, the other commentator, if he's like one of those manosphere types, I agree with the first caller. I wouldn't listen to that person because they don't have relationships with women. They don't, and certainly not constructive ones to be offering any kind of advice about how to deal with them. 
And even, like you said, even if they met a woman that checked all the boxes, like they would still have a problem because it's the underlying problem. Because in a relationship with anyone, any kind of relationship, you can only control yourself. You can't control what the other person is going to say or do or anything like that. You can only control yourself. So it doesn't even matter so much what the other person is like or what their shortcomings and all that are because they're going to have some like you do. But you can only control your own. And they don't even get that. They're always focusing on what's wrong with the other person. And mm-hmm. as far as the men here kind of people, as far as they're concerned, all the women are just, you know, all their flaws are just so beyond the pale, you know, they're not even worthy of being with. But mostly it's because they don't have the ability to get one. Yeah, I'm just wondering with, with that whole group, because I, I even hate that I even know that term, Nick Tile. I was like, so mad when somebody explained what the hell it meant to me. I was like, I don't even want to know what the hell that means, but I just wanted Wait, what to just go and sit around and just, I'm sorry, say it again. What term did you say? Um, MGTOW, which is M-G-T-O-W, oh, men oh, oh. going their own way. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I hate yeah, that I even know what the hell that term means. That, yeah, these are men that they, it's not like they're by choice going their own way. They have no other choice. No woman is entertaining them. Because all the women, like, they complain about, well, if that's the women you're attracting, it's because of you. You're attracting those type of people. If you were different, you wouldn't attract those people because you would never entertain anyone like that. So people that fit that description wouldn't even spend their time with you or they wouldn't be in your circle at all because how would they get there? You don't entertain that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's real. again, they're the problem, but instead of just focusing on, well, how can I fix this, my own problem, it's like, no, well, let me focus on how bad they are, which you have no control to fix anyway. If they're not, if the woman is that bad, there's nothing you can do to, you know, fix it at all. It has to be on her. But why would you even be entertaining these people? Like, I know it's a bunch of dusty dudes out here. I don't sit around complaining about them because I'm just not going to entertain them. So it doesn't matter. They're just going to be out here in the world dusty. I don't really care. They're not going to be a problem for me. And people that would still want to focus, like if I want to sit here all day focusing on all the dusty dudes on earth, it, it, that's, it's not, they're not the problem. Because why, why are you even in my thoughts at all? No, I love it. A lot of perspective. They, Let me throw this out. No, absolutely. I want to let uh, Marilyn jump in on this again because she's very plays very important role and set people up to, in a sense, do it the right way. You know, whatever. You know, again, I know people can value right way in their own way, if you will. But I know that you, if you will, just to highlight this about you, Hillary, you took that time, got married, having had your first child, and you're experiencing that in a lovely way. So I always big up you and appreciate you as an example of something that I saw you talk about and then actually live it out, which is what I'm hoping to do as well. But I'm throwing that out because here's a big context I would like to add to this real quick, Marilyn. I want to hear your thoughts on this. But, again, as I'm kind of jumping around and joking about the quote-unquote MGTOW brothers, if you will, and their perspective on things, I actually see it as this, Marilyn. I want to see what you think of this. But, unfortunately, if you remember, like, maybe the 80s and 90s, there was this sentiment starting to bubble up in the quote-unquote gender war that, again, as I said in the cut myself, it's not as big as we think it is, but it is a thing that is growing and it's affecting the culture in certain ways. 
And I would offer that in the 80s, 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, there was the concept of men ain't shit was kind of floating around or whatever. And it still floats around to a degree as Hillary mentioned the idea of focusing on dusty brothers, if you will. I unfortunately think to get all the way to 2022 and now have a group of men that have labeled themselves in a manner that, in a sense, no black woman is good to be with. I just think it is a unfortunate further decay of, us having long gotten away from nuclear families and each generation not having seen examples are really finding ways to divide themselves and not get together, unfortunately, because of examples they never had. So I, unfortunately, as much as I hated that group, saw it as unfortunately a, a an extension to what became within the African-American community specifically. Any thoughts on that point? Um, I'm I sorry. I'm not... with you. Oh yeah, go ahead. You're okay. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. Was it my turn? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I want you to. Yeah, I, I didn't know if I had you on live. I, I, I heard a pause. I thought I might have muted you. Go ahead, Queen. I'm sorry. Oh no, I had muted myself because I have the baby running around sometimes. <laughs> but, um, no, no problem. But yeah, I definitely agree um, to a great extent um, to what you said, and also with um, Oshun's comments in the cup. Um, just how, you know, a lot of intellectual dishonesty just in, in within its own, um, within the context of the original um, original cut. So with what you just said, I definitely agree that, um, it, I, but I think to an extent, and just to be really honest here, I think that this is something that um, has, you know, been happening in our culture and was, was um, imminent you know, and couldn't really be avoided just because of where we've been um, in the past. You kind of mentioned that for, you know, a whole generation, we have a generation of people that were raised, of men specifically, that were raised um, without uh, men in the households, without examples um, of what it means to actually value um, women. And, again, you added that layer of there was that period in time um, or, or or that began in that period in time that, you know, the whole men ain't ish type of deal. So just imagine, you know, not having, you know, uh, an actual male or or man, I should say, or example um, in the household and then also, you know, being imbued in a culture that is telling you that, you know, you're, you ain't ish. And so that, I can imagine how that might create a lot of anger. Um and and it's kind of bubbling up to the surface now mm-hmm. with the gen, with the generation that was created, you know, um, and the type of men that were created mm-hmm. then. But you know, I think um, it, it's it's happening, and it's something that it, it, I think is going to self destruct, honestly. And I think that it needs to, you know, kind of self destruct ultimately. Uh, and us as women. Um, I'm so sorry. Um, she she made a great point when she said that um that you can't really be worried about it. You know, you can't be worried about what um, a lot of these you know um, manosphere and um, what you said the men going their own way um, are doing because it really has nothing to do with you. You know, um, and they're not going their own way because you know they have another option. Is because they're not really being entertained. If they were able to to attract what it is that they 
uh, desire, then they wouldn't be in these spaces, you know, talking the way that they're talking. So it's really a sad thing to see, you know, because a lot of them, honestly, I think if they had any kind of real, you know, love and nurturing in their lives, you know, or access to 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 know how to change their circumstances, you know, or not access but empowerment to know how to change their circumstances, you know, and um in a productive way, I think they will be doing that. So it's um it's disappointing, uh, but I think ultimately that um that sect of our culture is very self destructive inherently. Um, and they're going to kind of ultimately meet their fate. And we, as the rest of the culture, have to kind of be gatekeepers, you know, in how we move forward and how we, you know, raise the culture and how we raise our families um, and just kind of let those those other elements disappear ultimately. No, absolutely. And I love that idea of gatekeeper, and I'll throw this out as a recommendation because mm-hmm. we do want to be solution-oriented with our conversations and realize mm-hmm. something, to, a, a, a casual term that people have heard a million times, a squeaky wheel, in a sense, gets the attention. And so I, I like to highlight that in the era of social media, people that don't have anything to do, that want to complain, they have a platform now where they can talk to each other every day. So keep in mind, it's a small percentage that overwhelmingly want to get on social media because it's built for that. To, to get, mm-hmm. get you distracted, to get people doing that. So I'm saying this for anyone listening, that if you feel like the, you know, in a sense, on social media, they can take over the quote-unquote manosphere because it's built for that. These are people who are not doing anything and want to complain. Like these ladies have said, they can't get what they want, so they simply complain about it. Please know mm-hmm. that is a super small percentage of men who are going as far as saying they're going their own way. So mm-hmm. actually be happy that they identify themselves <laughs> and run. Mm-hmm. It ain't that hard. Yep. It ain't that hard. I mean, you know, Get off social media if you think that's like what men are doing. Go ahead, going... Hillary. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, you I'm don't sorry. see anyone chasing after to go get them like they said they were going their own way because of X, Y, and Z. But you don't see any hordes of women trying to, you know, run after them and come get them back. So that right there, like, just kind of, they have no credibility as far as, you know, having productive relationships goes because they don't have any. No one wants them. They're not in demand. If they were in demand, like, um, you know, she said, they they wouldn't be talking like that. But they're just not in demand men. No one wants Mm -hmm. them. They are bitter about it instead of trying to figure out a way to fix it so that they, you know, are, you know, people that someone a quality person would want to be with, you know, they just complain. And it's, I think, like she said, because they're kind of from this generation that, you know, the first generation of children born out of wedlock, they sound kind of like women. They don't sound manly. Absolutely. They're complaining. Mm-hmm. They're not fixing the problem. They're just whining. And that's why people don't mm-hmm. take them seriously or what their complaints are. And they may even have some valid complaints, you know, again, a broke clock. So they may once in a while mm-hmm. have some valid criticisms and complaints, but again, no one takes you seriously because you're not doing anything to fix your own problem. So nobody cares. They're not solution oriented and they have no, you know, there's no plan. They're not creating anything of value. Um, they're not bringing anything of value into the culture or into society, period. And so they're essentially irrelevant. And when we give them, you know, a platform, 
Um, and we're not being, like I said before, good gatekeepers of what we allow into our communities and our culture, they can, voices like that can start to seem more relevant than they actually are, you know, and they're completely irrelevant. Like, I don't even know much about who they are or what they do because I ignore them. They don't apply to my life in any way, you know, and that's what I implore other people to do as well. Absolutely. Here's the other thing. Here's ultimately for anyone that may think, again, when we say give them a platform, I heard a love when Marilyn says that. We're not even talking about the platform they have of followers who like complaining and love them. We're talking about you individually being upset with what they're doing because, as Marilyn said, she pays them no attention. So don't give them platform within your own mind. Please hear it Mm -hmm. that way for one. And two, ultimately, even as part of this generation, as I call it, I'm the, I'm the same age as hip-hop. I call it, unfortunately, I refer to it somewhat as the first fatherless generation, meaning uh, more of us were born without our fathers at home than, than, than the other way around. We are that generation. And due to that, I just highlight, even we, most of us understand that we need you. We may not have learned the best way to love you. It may take a minute to mature to that. I've had to go through that myself Mm -hmm. as we live out, unfortunately, extended adolescence. But most men absolutely understand that they need a woman, even typically the most dysfunctional men. So that Manosphere group is a super small percentage. But if you're on the Internet, you will think they're larger than what they really are. We actually got another caller out there. If you're trying to get on today, you have to press one. If you're just listening, no problem. We're going to go to another cut. But right now, Maryland, we still got you walking with you with us unless 661 decides to press one and knock you off. So thank you so much, Queen, for walking with us. We're going to go into another cut and keep this thing moving. Best of Mental Dialogue 2022. This is from another Top 7 show. Is polygamy similar to pimping? We'll be right back. Or in a, if a man is in a relationship and he's sharing his woman, or in the case of the woman sharing the man, but I will say this: yes, polygamy is would you know would definitely be helpful to the black community if it's done right. Hey, thank you for those thoughts, Deasia. Any thoughts to uh, what uh, Tennyson had to say? Um, definitely. Uh, first, um, the, the question in itself isn't so so much of a disrespectful question uh, because it's not saying that uh, it, the question isn't saying that polygamy is pimping. The question is is asking, is it pimping? And the reason why it's asked that way is because of the fact of how we are socialized over here in this Western society. Um, we're not socialized for polygamy. The caller, uh, there was a previous caller that also said something about the Cinderella complex and whatnot. And and regardless of how somebody might feel that that is damaging, that's how we're socialized. This is our our society, America, is socialized for monogamy. It's not socialized for polygamy. All these other different countries, every different country, they have have their their culture in the way that they they do things. So take bits and pieces of another culture and just, just because it appeals to us and say, you know, it's something wrong over here because we like what they're doing over there and vice versa, you know, because there are some things that they do over there that we don't we don't agree with and it's things that they do over there that we do agree with, right? So we have to just be realistic and just keep in mind we are just socialized a certain type of way and it's not for polygamy. So when it is happening, this is something new, that is coming more so in the mainstream, 
and how we have previously seen situations where you have a, a one man with multiple women around him. That has what we have seen historically is that there was a guy that was a pimp over here. Now in another in another country, it might be a king who has some concubines and they're polygamous. Over here, we didn't we didn't walk around seeing men with multiple women unless he was pimping. So. The the what what people are not trying are not drawing a connection to the actual title is because not accepting the fact that we are socialized a certain type of way, so we just have to keep that we just have to keep that in mind. Nobody is even saying that they are against polygamy, but right now it's the it's a it's a conversation that is taking place. Um, it's had um a whole lot more than it used to be before. So I think it's, it's a good conversation to have to just shed some light and get a better understanding and, and, and maybe help reprogram the way we actually look at things. Uh, Asia, has, the Asia just basically gave the full context of why the question is what it is. It's, it's, it's specifically that. And so I absolutely respect, if you will, Tennyson saying the question is disrespectful um, when you think of it to a degree in the literal context. But the full context of, as, as DeAsia is saying, we're, we're in a world where people are exploring these different things, as as Hassan and Naila have correctly pointed out. Anything can become explorative. We're just kind of having the dialogue based on, as she said, we have not been socialized, and so people wonder, without knowing sometimes, what is that? Welcome back to Did You Hear the Best of Mental Dialogue 2022. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Hillary Roberts. Our special co-host on the line with us is Marilyn. Thank you, Queen, for being with us as we play again. Is polygamy similar to pimping? We wasn't asking, is polygamy pimping? We said similar, and you hear the Asia kind of break down the context of the question. I remember on that show we spent a whole hour even getting our guests to understand we wasn't calling polygamy pimping. We wanted to dialogue really about polygamy and how that context quite often is misused to the Asia's point. Because we haven't been socialized to it in this country, people are kind of bastardizing the term, and so it was an opportunity to get into what polygamy really looks like, in a sense, when done, to, from, if you will, from a religious standpoint, um, if you will, and other ways that it might be done, but just a dialogue worth having because, as I say, we are the best in the world and best in the world in hard conversations on race, sex, and culture. So, Hillary, we'll start with you as well. When you hear that cut, anything that stands out to you? Oh, I thought she did an excellent job breaking down what your, you know, topic really was about. Um, and I feel like the caller, well, I don't want to, like, say what the caller was thinking. I don't know. But a lot of times when you have discussions about hot-button issues like this, it's easy, like, if for some anyone that's trying to have any kind of pushback about it is to say, you know, that's disrespectful, you don't understand. You know, but I think it's more as a tactic to get you off of the topic versus to really consider what what is being said. She did a masterful job explaining, you know, the topic was not was not disrespectful and didn't even have the intentions of being disrespectful. But in our cultural context, which you do have to take into account as one of the, the Ghanaian um, caller that called in regarding the other topic earlier was, you know, he put it in his cultural context when he was talking, when we were talking mm-hmm. about women saying sex is a chore. Um, that was mm-hmm. very important to discuss because 
in our culture, if you see a man, you know, with multiple women, yeah, he's a player or a pimp or, you know, something nefarious usually <laughs> going on, um, you know, so that, which is different, I guess, than how other people in other cultures are practicing polygamy. And to be honest, even when you see black people, you know, quote, unquote, practicing polygamy here, it does seem a little dusty. Um, and that, and that's what we were, you know, getting into, like how people are presenting it today. Marilyn, um, your thoughts to, uh, in a sense, what you're hearing, because that was the dialogue. Like a lot of sisters say they're starting to hear a, guy, a lot of guys push polygamy on it, on them now, whatever, but it's definitely in a very different context than, so for example, uh, we had that clay couple on. Uh, they were our special guests for that show who are polygamists, if you will, and the way they live out polygamy is in a context that is very um, respectful and understandable and literally, you know, able to raise a family in that means. And they were really offended how people are misusing something that they live by, if you will. Your thoughts, Queen? Um, absolutely. One, again, I agree with um, the, the, the co-host from the original cut um, and just how she expressed that. Uh, for me, as someone who actually comes from a culture of polygamy, I'm Nigerian. I actually have polygamous, you know, families within my family, um, and I've, you know, witnessed it, you know, um, be successful and be, you know, not so successful um, in many ways. But what I think definitely missing here, as you know, the the other caller was saying, is that the U.S., you know, and and then the Western world is absolutely not socialized for. Uh, polygamy. And polygamy in and of itself is something that is very, very difficult to do well. It's a challenge and it's a very, um, very specific conditions under which uh, polygamy was intended to be practiced. Those situations do not exist here. Um, what polygamy seems to me or the, the, the conversation around polygamy here um, sounds like to me is just like polyamory. You know, mm-hmm. and if you want to be polyamorous, be polyamorous and call it what it is, you know, but um, but polygamy, you know, uh, it can be a lot of what I see that people are calling polygamy out here is, you know, relative to um, just, you know, I don't know if, if this is the right term, but it's kind of like, you know, pimping, having pimping. call it pimping, man. Pimping. They out here pimping. <laughs> <laughs> it's, they're trying to they trying to pimp on these they trying to pimp on these ladies, right? They are, and it, to me, it's very um, it's very dysfunctional, you know, from what I see. Because just if, if if I have a moment to break it down, you know, the the polygamous families, you know, um, marriages in my family that I see, um, the man first and foremost. Actually, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar at all, but a few years back, I forget exactly what year it was, the imam. And Nigeria actually banned men who, you know, let's just say poor, but don't make a certain enough money, you know, because a lot of men were practicing polygamy and could barely feed themselves, let alone multiple wives, you know, and families, you know, because the standard is that the man should be providing for any wife that he takes on. You know, a lot of times polygamy that I see here, the you know, men got every wife working and, and you know, they're all living on the mm-hmm. same roof. That is like absolutely mm-hmm. unheard of, you know, where I come from for polygamy. The man makes sure each woman has her own house. I have an uncle who has wives on different continents and everything, you know. 
and he maintains all of the households. He makes sure that, you know, that she has a house and he's paying for all the food. You know, polygamy is not your average, you know, man's um, calling (laughs) anywhere. You know, he has to have enough money to make sure that for every single household that he creates, that he can sustain every single one of them. And he's responsible for every need that arises in every household, you know. So you're not going to have the woman working, and you're not going to have them living under the same household because that's considered disrespectful. <laughs> Women, you know, a queen can't share her 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 throne or her domain with somebody else. You know, I'm not going to be cooking in the same kitchen as another woman. I'm not going to raise my children on the same with another woman and have to figure all these things out. You know, I have my own household. She has hers, and we come together for different reasons and everything. The only thing that we're sharing is this, you know, husband and father. And, you know, and, and, and I have my own space. So it's ridiculous. That's why there's so much drama within a lot of these, you know, polygamous so-called um, households because it's just ran so dysfunctionally when it's done, you know. And, um, and it's in it's a, it's a huge disregard for what the actual calling of it is because if you ask me, I think under the right circumstances and for the right purposes, it's, a, um, it's an honorable thing. Because it was created initially for, you know, for making sure in a time that women who were not married, you know, if their husband died or, you know, for multiple reasons, um, were provided for. You know, a lot of times brothers would marry their, you know, late brothers' wives to make sure that him and her and her children were continuing to be provided for. You know, so it was an honorable calling. It wasn't always something that men wanted to do. Now it's just men want, you know, access to different women and, you know, and, and they want to normalize, you know, the ability to kind of sleep around, you know. And so, like I said, it's polyamory, it's pimping, whatever you want to call it. And that's what, you know, it, it's it's amounting to at this point with the way people want to practice it here. No, absolutely. Again, we had a, a you know, a son and Ayla Clay, um, that Clay couple on. And, yeah, when you really break down, and we've done more than one show on polygamy, but when you really, like you said, you kind of gave a great breakdown, man. But ultimately, mm-hmm. as you historically, it's always been a very minute n- number of men that one could even try it, let alone pull it off, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, as as crazy as people would offer, oh, polygamy could be an answer for our community. And, I, and again, I, like you said, Hillary, I definitely want to respect the brother that called in. He wasn't just saying that because he just heard a little piece out of context. So thank you for respecting not knowing exactly what he was talking about. But even for those in the community that will offer, with you know, because of the, the prevalent amount of single parenthood, if you will, quite often it gets thrown out as some type of solution. Again, we without thinking of one, the American context that the Asia beautifully explained, and the other aspect is we're having this much difficulty getting the first relationship right with one other person. Mm-hmm. So what the mm-hmm. hell what the mm-hmm. you mean you're going to put two personalities in there and pull that thing off? Again, more power to the men that can, but that is very a very unique skill set to be able to pull it off. We can't get the first relationship right. We talking about solving and giving two or three more. Man, y'all get the hell out of here with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is why you know, some people were liking it to Pimpin. Like, he's giving his way, but he's not having to really provide anything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I have to, well, you know, we as women, you know, you hear growing up, you know, who the whoever controls the kitchen controls the house, so you don't let other women come mm-hmm. and cook in your kitchen. Um, and mm-hmm. if I gotta live with the other woman, and I also have to work and provide, you know, to support her too. Well, why am I doing all that? I mean, if we have finite resources, because you know every mm-hmm. person is gonna have finite resources, 
why am I adding? Uh, it's enough to have to take care of me, him, and whatever children we have. Now I got to add these other mouths and other, you know, people that have other needs. Like it seems like we're just adding more to the plate that's unnecessary just so you can basically be polyamorous. Whereas if you are a stand-up person, like if you just want to have that kind of relationship, just tell the person and they'll either Mm -hmm. agree with it or they won't agree with it. But if they agree with it, Mm -hmm. then fine, you know, knock yourselves out. But it's like a in run around. Like they don't want to have any of the responsibilities, the real responsibilities Mm -hmm. for the political. They just only want what they see as the fringe benefits. And that's why, you know, it's just very dusty and problematic. Yeah, can be. But, yeah, again, no no knock on those who practice it um, properly. No knock on to a group of people agreeing to live how they want to live. It's not even that ain't even the question. But when we start putting this context on helping the community with real, without realizing what really comes with it, and I know Hassan and Naila, they focused on the marriage portion because marriage is about family, something that is lost on the context of us today. I see several callers out there. If y'all are just listening via the phone, y'all are good to go. If y'all want to come on and be our new co-host, like Marilyn's rocking with us right now, you do have to press 1, and you will knock her off and become the new co-host. Again, this is a special edition. That's the mental dialogue. I always do this every year where I let the callers just hang out with us until somebody else calls in. So I see the callers out there. If y'all are just listening, no problem. All right, man, it looks like I may have somebody looking to knock you off. Let me check and make sure I'm looking at this correctly. All right, yep, we got somebody knocking you off, Marilyn. So thank you so much, Queen, for oh, rocking with us for over a half an hour. You are you are you are killing it, Queen. Thank you so much for your uh, three cents this morning. It's been good, thank you. Absolutely. So nine one nine last three eight six zero. You will be responding to this next cut. We're going in a totally different direction. I was actually happy that this show made it in our top seven last year, which is what's the difference between trading and investing. What's the difference between trading and investing? Special guest co-host for that one was Ashley Thomas from Making Money Matter as well as Michael Sweller from the Blacks Academy. So you're going to hear both of them in this cut. Uh, and I was super excited to see this show make it into our top seven because, as you can see, no surprise, a lot of relationship co- um, shows dominate our top ten, if you will. Um, so, again, just real pr- appreciative of the listeners out there realizing the value in this particular show. So we're going to play this cut and get y'all a response. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Man, you know what? First of all, again, now that we're warmed up, thank you, Ashley, because you highlight one of the key points about money in general, and especially when it comes to investing, when it comes to trading, when it comes to being in financial markets, is your relationship with money matters more than just about anything else that you could, whether you're starting or you've been in the market for a while, understanding how you see, how you perceive money. Like I say, some people blow money. Some people come at it. You know, a lot of people, one of the discussions I have all the time is that investing or trading is just like gambling. It's all the same if you don't know what you're doing. It's all the same. And like she was saying, also, we live in an age, we live in the information age where there's so much out there that is paralytic to some, but to some – even if you gave them the right information, they're going to blow right past it. And I'm glad you put that clip up because if you were to ask my opinion on the clip, most of what he said was immaterial and pretty much wrong. It's, it's narrow. Mm-hmm. And I, what I mean by narrow is that I heard him say, oh, you can put 
you know, stocks or bonds or mutual funds. You can invest in a ton of things in these financial markets this day. These, the markets have exploded. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's not just about how you perceive, which is that most people don't realize, you know, you're making decisions off of some uh, predilection, something that you actually come up with that probably wasn't your idea in the first place. You don't realize you're coming to the market. I didn't realize I was coming to the market with it. Again, I leaned on those who I knew knew me well enough to say, hey, this sounds like something I would try. I knew there was some money involved. I like money. That was my launch pad, but that's definitely not what kept me in this game now 17 years. I would have long been gone. I would long have been eaten up because one thing I will say about the financial markets, it's the most money you can make anywhere it does not come for free, and it does not come easy. Ashley, any thoughts to what Michael just said? Man, I'm just um, blown away by his statement, your relationship with money matters, you know, and people really disregard that when it comes to investing and, like, not really knowing how you are with your money and your relationship with money and how that impacts your decisions, right? I, I had a client. Um, she wanted to start investing. She had gotten some money. And I, I don't work with investments because a lot of people tend to be emotional when it comes to the market and investing, right? You have to remove emotions from the equation. And so, you know, like she invested her money, and then we stopped talking because the market died as soon as she put her money in. And I knew that that had to be um, very disappointing for her but if you don't understand your relationship with money and you're taking advice from other people and you don't know, like, what their financial profile is, why they're investing, what their motive is, what their goal is, um, I, I think right now it's really prevalent that we have a lot of people that are getting into investing because people keep talking about how much money they made in crypto or how much they made mm-hmm. in X, Y, and Z, and it's not given any consideration into what is their relationship with money. Do they have discretionary income that you don't have, and now you feel pressured to put more money into the market, or is it that, you know, they actually have read up on these and them, or are they getting tips from somebody else, right, working in 401K and doing participant education? There are so many times I went in and had meetings and people be like, oh, yeah, well, this guy in the office, he does investments for everybody. He's not licensed. He's trying to beat the market and he's doing trades every week in his account and his wife's account. Like, no, you should not be listening to this person. Like, I'm a licensed (laughs) professional here to help you, and you're telling me you would rather take advice from somebody who just does trades every day trying to beat out the market. It's not the same. And so when you don't take those things into account, you do yourself a disservice, you do your money a disservice, and, like, you really put your mental health and, like, your emotional health on the line because your emotions are tied to that money and how it's performing. And, like, I'm here to tell you the market can swing any which way, and if you keep your emotions in there and you don't understand how important your relationship with money is to that, you're going to be in your feelings and, like, really upset and disappointed about how your money is performing and probably incur more losses. Are you intimidated by money? Well, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with 
personal finance coach, Ashley Thomas, and psychotherapist, Dr. Katrina Pitts. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mentor Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. Welcome back to the Mentor Dialogue Talk Show. Did you hear the best of Mentor Dialogue 2022? My special guest co-host is Hillary Roberts. I am Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. If you want to jump in and give us your three cents and become our new co-host, 646-787-1691, as we hear, again, a cut from what's the difference between trading and investing, and I played a commercial of a event we do every second Monday, so on Monday night, uh, Mental Dialogue presents Making Money Matter Mondays with Ashley Thomas, the sister you heard during that cut. So we want to highlight that we do try to hold people's hand in the financial literacy process, but more so their mindset around money, which is typically the bigger issue. That's what I love most about listening to those finance people, if you will, Hillary, go back and forth and talk about the emotions and the mindset more so than the nuts and bolts and the math of the finances, if that makes sense. Um, anything that stood out in that cut for you, um, Hillary? Uh, I thought that was a great clip because a lot of times, especially when we're new people getting in the market and all, we do not, or just in general, I don't think black people have a very uh, positive or constructive relationship with money um, because it's kind of easy come, easy go with us, or, you know, you never know where the next dollar might be coming from. So we don't always see, like, how you will build the money over time. And when you get a hit, like like she said, like, you have got to take your emotions out of it. Like, I don't check the accounts every day. My dad, he'll be like, well, what is it doing? I'm like, I don't, I don't want to know because then you're on a roller coaster and then you're making bad decisions because you are emotional. And I think that was probably one of the best pieces of advice, you know, that you can try to tell people when they're playing in the market, which is, you know, do not get over emotional, uh, you know, try to keep a level head. Um, but I think that is like a hurdle for us to, to get over. So I thought that was a great clip. No, absolutely. And Michael is one of our black level members who has what's known as the Blacks Academy, where he teaches trading and investing. They are two different disciplines, if you will. Um, I actually um, gave this information to another one of our platinum level members this week because that's what we do here, dialogue and connect. We're not here just for your entertainment on Saturday mornings while we have these important conversations about race, sex, culture, and African-American business. I do want to highlight Monday's Making Money Matter Monday that we have every second Monday, you have to Zoom, you have to DM me, so follow us on IG, mental underscore dialogue, or call me personally, 404-604-9477, text me and say, hey, I want the link, and we will get that link. We've been building that community for over a year. We just had our year anniversary for that particular private Zoom, but highlighting, again, uh, one of our past sponsors, Michael Sutler from Blacks Academy, has sponsored this show because we want to improve that relationship that you just talked about here. We improve that relationship with money because a lot of it is bad habits that's just been passed down, a lot of fears for the reasons that you just mentioned. And those fears drive our decisions, good or bad. And if you're not getting the results you want, 
you probably want to check your emotions, not just simply what you can learn about finances. So highly recommend that, um, you know, you, you check these resources, one that we provide once a month, and then if you are already ready to get into investing or think you do, don't follow the person that just blow up, blew up the last couple of years and get misled because you're following what they're doing. With Michael, he yeah, has also, a company that's been a, Yeah, go ahead. Jump in, please. Yeah, also the point she made, you know, about you don't know, you know, whatever other people are telling you, like you don't know what their circumstances are. You know, you don't, you don't know. And so, you know, I do hear a lot of times, you know, like, well, so-and-so did this. This is what they're doing. But you don't know. You really don't know what they're doing. You just know what they told you. you and also, you have no idea how your own, you know, how similar is your own situation or circumstances or what their goals are because you may have different goals. You might be trying to invest money, you know, and see how where you end up 20 years from now versus someone right. that's just, you know, in every day. Like, you don't know what – I feel like when people tell me things, I just always just take it with a grain of salt. Like I, it does not, I try not to let it impact what I'm going to do because I don't know. I don't know all the cards they're holding. But I, I Yeah, specifically I, in the area, it's called a, yeah, well, specifically in the area, it's called an investor profile. So the starting mm-hmm. place that, you know, that Ashley or Michael will start you from is finding out what is your nature, what is your own profile. So, yeah, you could be listing someone who's, more conservative or listen to someone who's more risky, but if you're unaware of your own self, so it's not even that they're telling you wrong, it's, it fits them right, but it may not be your yeah. nature to your point, yeah. and it's in a getting an investor profile. We used to have where people could get an evaluation of their investor profile on the uh, website, mentordialogue.com, but now that I have experts that can teach you and take you by the hand and let you figure out based on your own investor profile what steps you can take that make sense for your actual goals, because as you said, Hillary, you don't know that person's goal. They're just telling you they're making money. And, they, and even if they're telling you the truth, it still may not fit you. Let's go that far with it. You know what I mean? And yeah. so absolutely wanted to provide people real tools, not just the fly-by-night. Michael's been doing this 17 years, and he literally started Blacks Academy because he was tired of what he saw out there on the Internet where people are being misled. And so he wanted to properly walk through through and explain the difference between being a trader and investor because a lot of people don't understand they are two completely separate disciplines. So I would highly recommend, you know, people look up Blacks Academy on YouTube or DM us and start with the basics with Making Money Matter Mondays. I'll give you a uh, quick other quick thought if you have something else, and then we're going to go to another cut, if you will, Queen. Uh, no, ma'am. I'm done. <laughs> Are you good? Okay, just making sure I make sure I let you get everything in. All right, so we got a couple more cuts as we rocking through. Y'all got 18 minutes if you want to jump in. I see some callers out there. If y'all want to get in, you definitely have to press one. I appreciate a man Dennis as well as Marilyn jumping on with us and helping us co-host. This next cut comes from our number one show of the year. Why are there so damn many relationship coaches featuring Vaughn the Alchemist? as well as Yancey, um, your hostess. And so you're going to hear Vaughn break down his perspective from that particular show, why are there so many damn relationship coaches? Let me pull that one up. And I definitely want to get your thoughts on this one, Hillary, if you will. All right, here we go. 
you know, I love the part that she, the, the point that she made about being qualified as leaders. And, and if you just look at the average, look at the landscape of, of our people and, and the lack of leadership training. There's literally no leadership training taking place. And so for a male to show up to a relationship thinking that by, by default he's the leader because he has a penis, when there's been no leadership training whatsoever, um, that in and of itself is problematic. Um, and, and, I, and I'll even add to this. Um, I've been married now for 31 years. And my wife and I speak to Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, we have a very, very high level of cooperation. And my wife does more for me, probably more for me than most men who are looking for submission are getting in their relationship. But we don't talk about submission. Like we've never really had a conversation about submission. But what we do discuss on a regular basis are things that allow us to uh, maintain a such a high level of harmony in our relationship that conversations about submission or you do what I say or I'm going to put my foot down, et cetera, et cetera, like we, there's no need for conversations like that because the level of harmony is so high. And so I, I'm going to flip the narrative a bit, and I'm going to say that I don't even think that the conversation of submission is even necessary in most instances because it's such an inflammatory topic. It's such uh-huh. a heated discussion. Uh-huh. And, and, and the, the term submission in the Western sense particularly is rooted, uh-huh. in, such a, is rooted in such violence and deprivation uh-huh. and degradation and demeaning ideals that any woman, for the most part, when women hear that word, they're justified in saying, I don't want to submit. It, it's a it's naturally on, because of the way that it's packaged. So we don't even have that discussion because it's unnecessary. So I think the 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 more prevalent question should be, what does it take? What does harmony look like for me and you to coexist? What does oh, it look like, like for us to have a high level of cooperation mm-hmm. in this relationship? And I and I think if we begin having those discussions, then the idea of submission, it, it, it again, it, it's a dinosaur. It, Welcome back to Did You Hear the Best of Mental Dialogue 2022? That is our number one show of the year. Why there's so damn many relationship coaches, as you hear Bud, the alchemist, break down how he says we should even stop using the word submission in 2023 because there's so much vitriol behind it. I didn't play all of the cut, but that was a piece of how he led into that. Um, if you will, Hillary, thank you for helping me co-host today. We got Brother Calvin out of South Carolina wanting to jump in. We're going to start with you. Your thoughts on that cut before we go to Calvin, our new co-host for these last 15 minutes of this show. Go ahead, Queen. Oh, that was that was that was a great clip. Um, and I would agree. Like, why? I feel some of the things are just to create a reaction versus to find a real solution or get what you want. Like, what do you want? Do people even know? They probably don't even know. And again, it's like. I don't think you should use the word submission. And I felt like what I was hearing him say is he and his wife, they never use the word, but yet he gets what you would consider, you know, some level of submission, which is, I think, cooperation. Just what's understood doesn't need to be explained. Like, I don't, if you tell someone you need to submit to me, you probably going to get some resistance versus creating an environment in which they will willingly do it anyway. 
you will want to take care of that person. But when you make it like you have to, you better do it, you know, it's not it's not constructive, which at the end of the day, I don't think a lot of these people even ask, like, what is it that you really want and how do you think is the best way to get it? No, it was beautiful. I know for me, we've done several shows, even, you know, talking about that word in particular, if you will. And I know prior to Vaughn kind of giving me that context, um, I kind of operated from a situation where, you know, um, kind of traditional to to a degree where the submission is actually to one another, and sometimes that was, well, in my opinion, what was missed. But then when I heard him put it in that context, I felt he's correct in a, a era now where the word itself can just get so much can get lost on it. So why focus on it? And as he said, it never even had to come up, and he gets an amazing level of cooperation between the two of them because the aim is harmony. So I thought it was a beautiful thought. All right, Brother Kevin out of South Carolina, you one of our longtime callers. You're co-hosting for these last few minutes. I got another cut I got to play. So, you know, I'll let you hold me down for as long as you can, King. But thanks for getting in with us. Uh, what you got on the uh, on the cut, King? That was absolutely fire. And like uh, he said and the um, lady that said just now before me is that uh, we use European words to – Say what we're doing. We didn't put those those words and labels. Like you said, that is a that that causes a hostile relationship from the giddy up when you miss wording things because it's more of a uh, aggressive thing. Because I think you did a show back in. We were talking about it, and I said to the point that if a woman just simply does her femininity, you know, embraces her femininity, it makes a man want to take care of you. Versus someone that's in the house fighting you, uh, doing the masculine thing for us, challenging you, you know. Uh, one thing about our community is that all these relationships uh, or not, or, or these experts uh, of relationships come from us doing maybe one little thing right. Like you got these people that walk around here with the stickers on the side of their cars talking about losing weight and nothing. And they get out the car, I'm like, um... You're not finished. <laughs> you know, you lost five pounds, now you're expert. Or you're a real estate agent because you bought two houses. <laughs> I mean, not agent, but, you you know, you're a real estate uh, yeah, expert. Mogul. You're, you're a real estate mogul now. Which... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you go in and you're having classes and seminars. I'm like, I know I got friends that do this. I'm like, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to knock them, but I'm like, y'all ain't in position to do, when you get about 50 to 100 houses, man, then you should be out there having seminars, charging people $3,000 a seminar, $1,500 a seminar, and you ain't got but two to six houses. No, <laughs> but that's what we do. But I guess it goes back to the old saying, those who can't do teach or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, no, ain't in the hustle. I ain't never heard that one. I like it though, brother. Yeah, you know we. Yeah, I like that, and, and I would love to highlight. Again, you were a long time listener. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't. I thought you were finished. Go ahead, finish speaking. I'm sorry. Oh no, no. I, I guess we 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 get caught up on the hustle style, you know, because I guess we get it from the pastor. Yeah, now we find a way to finagle people out of money once we got a little bit of information. Yeah, no. So uh, that's where we become as a culture, unfortunately. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, they might have good intentions, but for those, it's easy. Well, here's here's the ultimate thing. Here's the ultimate thing, you know, um, and that's, you know, in a sense, 
why we ask for people, you know, like yourself, Kevin, to become supporters of what we're doing every Saturday because, as you heard, Vaughn, as much as we're all in agreement with what that brother had to say, and, again, I admitted what I learned from that show personally, right? And so as much as we're doing that, the first, you know, you did hear him say, 31 years of marriage, here's what I am giving you. So, yeah, we're not catching – we're not bringing the fly-by-nights. We're bringing, you know, Marilyn, who's – you know, has an extensive background who does this and helps couples. And, again, she is a resource that I've referred people to within our community club. So, again, become a part of this club so that we can avoid the fly-by-night people. That's why we have, we bet who we sponsor, Blacks Academy, 17 years of experience in the Forex market. That's what that brother has. So we're very cognizant of not bringing that to our community because, again, we do see it out there. And like you said, not to just judge attention, you know, somebody's intentions, if you will, or whatever, but however, if we can bring real-life experience from somebody who actually does it, that's what we specialize, and that's why we need y'all support out there listening to keep us on the air. We are the return of intelligent radio, but we're not here just for the dialogue. We're here to connect you to who you need to give you seeds that you can use and progress your own life. Speaking of that, this last cut um, is going to be very, I think, poignant in helping people understand what we're doing every Saturday. If you, if, if, if anything that I'm saying is making sense, please go to Mentor Dialogue and at least become a goal-level member, only $9 a month, to not only just keep the, the, the show on the air, but we're out here live in the community. I was you know, fortunate enough to just be with Helping Empower Youth yesterday, if y'all have ever heard our shows on the Water Boys. Help, you know, just helping those brothers out. And, and we got one of our cloud engineers is going to meet with them next week or whatever. We're going to continue to do the work. So you are supporting something that's real, that's trying to bring you information that all of us can use as you need it, as you're ready for it. That's what we do. We're not judgmental. That's why we welcome all opinions to the show. And we're not politically correct, so we'll keep it raw so that we keep it real so that we can learn. So I think this cut will highlight everything that we're doing, and it, point, it, it highlights my upcoming book, Re-Education of the Negro. So I'm going to play this, and we may extend the show an extra minute um, just to make sure we get all the context that we need. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Now it's Re-Education of the Negro, and so with that change, i got to get another book cover done. So you know, cross your fingers, books coming out this year. All right, let me uh, play this cut. Very raw, so be, you know, rock with me when y'all hear this. Just like, how I ain't think me. Right. Mike, if I'm not a nigga, I'm nothing. Not true. No, no, it's true if I believe it's true. Yeah, but you should no, no, believe no, that. No, you can't control the way I fucking think, nigga. I'm not trying to. Then don't talk about it. That's what it is. No, nah, I don't right. if I'm not a nigga... I'm nothing. So don't tell me I'm not. Why would you think you that? Because it is. It's that way. That's where we agree to disagree. Because I, I look at you as a king, my brother. You know what I'm saying? I look at you as one of the greatest people that ever walked this planet. The things you have done in your lifetime, so far away from the original connotation of that word, is crazy. You don't know my shadow. I don't. I know what you've done in my life. Shadow, my shadow um it counts, but that's everything you say about me, brother. I mean, I know shadow, what you've done you in the light, my brother. You can't oh, have okay. a shadow without the light. Just Impressive. That brother that Mike Tyson was talking to is named Kenan Thompson. And I love the dialogue, raw and uncut from both of them. Mike said, if I'm not a nigga, I'm nothing. 
and the brother mm-hmm. challenged Mike Tyson and said, brother, you've done things that are so far from the connotation of that word, I refer to you as a king. I respect that dialogue so much. Please jump on. Give us your three cents. You know, keep me going. Otherwise, I'm going to make this quick and get off this thing. But I respect raw and uncut dialogue. And and Mike's so introspective. He's almost become a philosopher in his older age, you know, obviously being known for I'm Mike Tyson. But he said that's how much he relates to being a nigga to the point where he's nothing without that identity. That's real deep, and I respect where it's coming from just based on what we seem to know about his history growing up in Brownsville, hard not Brownsville, New York, if you will, right, where, where supposedly it's, you know, it's the most rugged, if you will. And so he says, I got these shadows, basically these demons that, you know, I'm not who you think I am, and that's how I identify. And he says, you can't tell me how to think, and Mike's right about that. So right about that that a lot of times that even in the work we do in a sense mental dialogue and other groups quite often in trying to help our people, you know, mental dialogue, obviously all I ask is that you think. So the idea is to raise the culture, elevate the mindset. Uh, But Mike is right when he says you can't tell me how to think and the brothers just was smooth about it. Kenan Davis was like a G with that thing. He was just like, bro, I ain't necessarily telling you how to think, but I can't see you like that. And the thing is, both of them were right. Mike's right about the fact that none of us, as much as we may want to help our children and our cousins, our friends, we can't, in a sense, put our mindset in them, even when we see them taking a wrong turn. And that Kenan Davis, when he looks at Mike and says, you know, it's almost like we have to agree to disagree, which is I I do understand that you see yourself like that. I'm not going to try to change how you think, but I will let you know. I don't see you that way. And Mike saying, if this is what I believe, then it's true. And that's the psychological, in a sense, breaking of the chain that the miseducation, if you will, right? Carter G. Wilson writing the miseducation of the Negro, talking about, if you ever heard that cut, when he says, hey, um, the, the psychology of the Negro is such that he's been, in a sense, taught to go through the back door to the back of the bus, and if there is no back door, he will cut one open to go through the back. That's what that dialogue reminded me of. And so it was just a raw, uncut, I get it from both sides. So miseducation, I'm writing the re-education of the Negro to continue, hopefully, to challenge the mindset and our thinking within our community for you to just get a seed that you can take and do something with mental dialogue. If we can improve the conversation you have inside your own head, you will be better, and therefore all of us, will, our community will be better. So that. Did you hear the best of mental dialogue 2022? That's actually a cut from my Just My Three Cents YouTube podcast that we tried for about eight months. Didn't have a lot of success, but I thought that cut from that YouTube, and those cuts are still available. If you like what you heard there, go to the Mental Dialogue YouTube page. We do pop-up shows from time to time, but I wanted to bring that context to today's show, let people know Re-Education of the Negro will be releasing very soon. Pre-sales will start soon. Brother Kevin, thank you for calling in. I'm going to not go over on the show, so thank you for calling in, King. we got one minute. I'm going to give Hillary 
the last minute um, to any thoughts of what she just heard. And again, we ask that people become supportive at mentaldialogue.com. But Hillary, your thoughts to what you just heard, keep it short. We got a minute before we cut this thing off. Go ahead, Queen. Um, well, I was just hurt that Mike Tyson even thinks negatively about himself still at this point in his life. Uh, so that kind of hurt me because I, I also think he is an amazing person. Definitely will refer to him as the king, but even using the N-word, I don't think I can see how he doesn't that doesn't necessarily equate to you thinking negatively about yourself because the word doesn't really bother me that much, uh, you know, depending on the context. Yeah, I got you, Queen. We got 30 seconds. Just trying to do a wrap-up of the, of, the, of the show, if you will, just kind of putting okay. that in there. Um, just any thoughts to what we're doing with mental dialogue? That was the bigger part of the cut that I wanted oh, to kind of address so if possible. But actually, yeah, because oh, we got a little yeah, bit of time. Uh, but, but, yeah, just any thoughts to the work we're doing every Saturday over here with mental dialogue to close the show? I think you're doing really great work. Those were all great clips from strong shows, um, good questions that you don't hear or topics that you don't hear necessarily everywhere else. So please keep up the good work. I appreciate y'all. And, again, everyone consider mentaldialogue.com. We do need you to keep Intelligent Radio on the air. Become a supporter if you're outside as a gold member. If you're in Atlanta, we recommend become platinum and black level members as we have an exclusive party for those who live in Atlanta tonight. So look forward to anybody in Atlanta seeing y'all at the party tonight. If you're outside Atlanta, please become a gold member supporter. We need your support to keep intelligent radio on the air. If you're tired of all the noise being out there and you think this is important, please become a supporter. Put your money where your mouth is. Appreciate the call-ins. We need members. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.